Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. I'm Zach. How is everybody doing today? Nolan, Zach, anything fun and exciting in your worlds? So far, it's been kind of quiet. Uh, yesterday was my Saturday to work, so looking forward to the weekend finally starting. We drove by there yesterday. I thought I saw you sitting in there. Trying to stay awake. Yeah, I bet. We almost stopped and it was like, no, we got groceries in the back that we have to get home. You would have been the second people I talked to all day. <laughs> was it just you in there? I didn't see a salesperson. Oh, yeah, there was. It just was. It could have not been. We wouldn't have missed anything. Just gotcha. one of those days. Spring break. <laughs> yep. Yep. I remember those days. How about you, Zach? Uh, nothing new. Just hanging out. Had a three-day weekend myself, so I've just been hanging out. I did leave the house yesterday, but only one. <laughs> That's good. But yep, just relaxing, spending some time indoors. Cool. We are officially entering Hell Week for the production that I'm in, which if you're not in the theater community, uh, what that means is for the next week, your life is at the theater. So get off work, go straight to the theater. Don't leave until the director says you can leave because this is opening week. We open the show on Friday, which caused a lot of confusion on my part when I found out that we have what's called sit pros on today at three, which means we're rehearsing with the live band, which I apparently was not aware of, which forced us to cancel d and I was not at all thrilled about that. Be through it here a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, this weekend, next week, and or I'm sorry, next week and the week after, then I'm done. No productions scheduled till at least the fall, and even then it's going to really depend on a few things. So we'll see. Thankfully, it's thankfully this one's coming to an end. It's been a great experience. I've loved everything about it. It's been a lot of fun. The people are fantastic. But yeah, I'm ready for a break. Yeah, it's uh, emotional and a lot of time, but. Yep. Fun to do, fun to be over. Yep, exactly, exactly. So we are continuing our look at Free League's The One Ring. We have looked at chapters one and two. There was a little bit of a break as we did an interview with Pella and Johan, the creators of Merkborg, last week. And now we're going to pick right back up where we left off and look at chapters three and four of The One Ring. Now, before we get started into like the details of what these two chapters represent... I was looking at this this piece of art that we have right before we get into the third chapter where we have like a party of an alpha ranger, a dwarf, and a hobbit. And while obviously, you know, the connotations there that it's from the fellowship, this is I think the first time we really get to see some of the artwork close up at somebody's face. And again, the art the artist just does a fantastic job with this. Like this is the kind of stuff that I'm like, yeah, that would easily be a poster on my wall. Yeah, they do a Great job. The style is just fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are going to jump into chapter three, which is all about the adventures and creating your hero, because it's very specific that you are playing a hero. Uh, who wants to kick this one off? Uh, I can. Um, sure. Yeah. So basically the first part of the uh, the the character creation section is, is you kind of choose your uh, heroic culture. Uh, in this game here, it kind of gives you the uh, region or group of folk that you're from to be playing in this area at this time uh, of your options. You get the Bardings, the Dwarves of Durin's Folk, Elves of Linden, Hobbits of the Shire, Men of Bree, and Rangers of the North. I believe um, as we open up the world and uh, 
I guess expansions is on my brain because of that there. But as the additional books come, they might open up some additional opportunities to place people from different areas. But given the fact that this first part is in what, the area door uh, area, um, it, it, these are kind of the folks that would be traveling in this area and possibly be called on to defend uh, their lands and realms and surrounding neighborhoods. Each uh, heroic culture is kind of, kind of a starting race, I guess, if you're familiar with that realm of play. It gives us kind of a base points for what the people in that region are good at. Um, statistics and everything like that seem to be fairly common across the board. Uh, you can choose one or roll to pick uh, uh, your stats between strength, heart, and wits. Um, I do enjoy the idea of maybe having everybody kind of on the same foot. Um, I don't know. And, and having three stats versus six, I find to be it's okay to be okay at something. Um, and it chances are you're going to be good at most things, which is nice. So you don't ever really feel left out. Each characteristic gets a, a cultural blessing, uh, kind of goes into their standards of living and what to expect, attributes, how your stats go, and the basic skills of your area that you would be good at coming from that region. Um, it seems like a very healthy background, uh, and it does kind of bring in the theme of that region and what they're known for, uh, as in the dwarves of Durin are very good at uh, travel and craft. Given the time period, they would be coming off of the adventures of Bilbo, the folks of Durin, um, kind of many of them are wanderers and seek work as smiths and uh, have been on the road uh, since the time of Smaug. Um, gives us some combat proficiencies, each race uh, or uh, group is more proficient with certain weapons than others. Uh, not too often do you see a dwarf with a bow. So those it kind of helps hone in again what they're good at. Um, and it's a very simple, I guess, um, race background. It gets out of the way quick. Yeah. Where do you, what do you want to be? Where are you from? Here's what you need to know. Yeah. And, and this is pretty much the only choice you have to make. Once you pick your heroic culture, there's a calling later on, but that just gives you two skills. Yeah, it's um, uh, you, who's your daddy and what do you want to do, as I think yeah. of Kindergarten Cup. Yeah, you just you get your stat allocation and then you're, you do a little bit of math and you're done. So it really does come down to, do you want to be an elf? Do you want to be a dwarf? Do you want to be a hobbit? Or do you want to be Aragorn? And then well, you can be a man of Bree. You can be, yeah. yeah, or do you want to be or that bard. tavern keeper? You can be a descendant of bard. Um, well, of of the well, town, yes. Yeah. And that's and that's so one of the things I thought was interesting is like there's three you know class or heroic cultures that are human, and and I think they do a very good job of um, being different. The the folk, yeah, they do. The folk of Bard versus the folk of Bree have two different lives, very, very much so. They've seen different things. They have different uh, issues in their region. And it does a good job of kind of letting you know. Um, well, I don't know. I, I felt that that um, Aragorn was uh, a man and so was Boromir, but they were from two different sides of the map and they had very different priorities. They had very different uh, goals and very different life experiences. And that uh, led to some conversation and conflict, but also just the opportunity to be, we are very, we are man, but we are very, very different. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, oh, go ahead. It's a real simple system. 
like at its core, I think it tries to do as much of the work for you as it can. Um, even if like getting to the part uh, can be a little complex, but I think I like this, at least the character creation part is a lot simpler than it sounds. Because once you've chosen kind of like a place you want to come from, you're practically done. Yeah. Yeah, you really are. Sorry, my mouse decided to do one. So I was a couple things there. Sorry, I was distracted. I was looking because I did jump on. Um, I think I mentioned that if you're a Kickstarter supporter of the One Ring and you've already received your product, you your dice were messed up. Uh, Free League was aware of this. So you were able to go into the backer kit and get a replacement set of dice for free or get a certificate uh, a gift certificate to free league's website i went ahead and just chose to get the replacement dice but as i was in there i was looking at one of the things that got unlocked during the the campaign was a, a supplement called the runes of runes of the lost realm and i went ahead and grabbed that as well uh, just because i was really curious to see what all this was because uh, it didn't have a description so i was distracted there because i was trying to find out what the runes of the lost realm was and it looks like this is going to it's a hardback compendium of approximately 150 pages. We'll collect the unlocked PDF stretch goals of fog over Tharbad, a gathering storm into the lone lands, old castles built by wicked people. Here was once a realm of men and the clouds break in printed format. So it looks like these are going to be some ad adventures maybe. So uh, I was kind of hoping or I shouldn't say hoping, but I was kind of wondering if it was going to add some extra races or unlock some other regions. So I thought I would check that real quick and I don't think it does. Sorry, completely sidetracked. No, it's, but I think it's that, interesting that... to see that kind of stuff because it is um, this the story is just a few places. It, it it goes through a lot of different areas and it travels through a lot of different areas of what we're used to in the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Um, but the the state of the world is very sad um, in this area. Uh, we're dealing with a time period of the kingdom of uh, Arnor is is done for all intents and purposes. Uh, it has been wiped out through wars, and that bloodline is all but lost um, and or in hiding with the Dunedain. Uh, their castles, their keeps, their architecture have all been broken down and are... Uh, just rubble on the sides of the road. The roadways are there, but the evil is creeping back in. The orcs are taking over. It's not safe to travel. Um, it really is a, a sad and depressing area uh, for people. I mean, it is at the end of the life and it's the make or break point. Um, you know, as we go into the end of the age, um, it, it finishes uh, with, you know, the war and a, and a potential for time of prosperity. But it really is the end of cycle of evil doesn't come back overnight. And as people become complacent, uh, it tends to fester and grow. And, and we really get that kind of feel for this. It It's kind of a sad tale. And I think we see that uh, in The Hobbit. We see that with, you know, the men of Dale. They are not... They're not proud, you know, evil corruption. Bree itself is not super friendly, and that's the central point of uh, trade. Um, the hobbits don't, you know, they've hidden away from the world. The elves have closed their borders. So I, th I think it is one of those things, as you talk about the Lone Lands and the kingdoms of the north, and it's not, it's not a happy time in the world. And it, it leaves for this huge opportunity to draw into these backgrounds and really 
dig deeper into what's going on in that area. And it's not a, it's not a happy story, which is fantastic. I mean, I think that's fantastic. It, it adds for that reason for adventure. And we get that with these uh, cultural heritage moments. Nolan, that was fantastic. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I, it's a great just time. Listening to you talk about that, I'm just like, wow. It reminds me, there's a couple of TikTokers that I follow who, as far as I'm concerned, they are considered experts on uh, the Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien's mythos in, in general. And they're, they're just fantastic. And I've learned so much about, about Tolkien's world that I did not know. Um, just from watching these two and the way you just spoke about this game and, and you made me think of those guys. Um, yeah, that was well, well said, sir. Well, and, and you mentioned it, we are, you're making heroes for this era. Um, and again, because people have pulled back in because people are kind of the world feels more strange and, and, and it takes heroes to again, step outside your front door and go on an adventure. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun for people to play. I'm looking forward to playing it for that just because I I love the world around it. I, I've gotten to play Lord of the Rings online, and I, I've seen these places based upon books, and there are dark dealings out there. And I can't wait to see what those some of those stories that are, are coming down the pipeline to, to how they yeah. fulfill and compare. Yeah, which is, I mean, that was really when I saw that there was a supplement, I was like, I don't care if this adds more areas or if this just adds um, some stories to tell, you know, give me a chance to be able to read an adventure and say, okay, we're going to play the one ring, we're going to play this story, and I don't have to worry about trying to create my own, because Lord knows my life is ridiculous. So let's jump into the actual the actual meat and bones, if you will, of this chapter, uh, where we actually start looking at the different characters or, or the different, sorry, hero cultures. And there's a couple of things that people need to be very much aware of. And those are the attributes, because there's not very many of them. I think what we have strength, heart and wits. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, that is it. So, and this is what your heroic culture is going to be based on is you're going to get your attributes from, you know, your heroic culture. So strength is a score that can be tough and fit or quick and alert or physically attractive or imposing. Every aspect of an adventure that re uh, relies on vigor or physical well-being is represented in the game by strength. Heart measures an adventure's capacity for emotion, empathy, and enthusiasm. A player, hero, a player hero with a high heart score can be fiery, energetic, and hard to daunt. Activities that benefit from a passion or dynamic temper may be influenced by a player hero's heart. Um, a player hero with a high wits rating can be clever, attentive, and ingenious. Any character that calls for an adventure to be sharp-witted, sensible, or wise benefits from a player hero's wits score. Bilbo had a very high wits score. You know, he probably was a to, very yeah. high heart. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. And I think that you'll see that too as you make these characters. Um, very often you'll have... Uh, two pretty good stats and one not so great stat. Uh, you do have an opportunity yep. to be fairly average as an option, but for the most part, um, it does l lead you to be, be an expert at a couple of things and let your party fill in the gaps. And, and with these stats being the way they are, that is what it is. You, you want a fellowship. Now you, they do have the opportunity to do solo adventures. Um, you can scale this down and I think that is an opportunity, but you would be a specialist in that region. Um, Aragorn being charged by Gandalf to track down Smeagol. That is not Aragorn rolling into Minas Tirith chatting to people. 
It is the ranger doing ranger things. He's manhunting at this point. He's in areas where he's allowed to be alone. Um, right, right. He, he picked the right person for the job with the right skills. So lead that into it. If you are doing a single person or a dual person, characterize that to who would ask them to do this. And it would be somebody that's smart enough to know that they are the right person for the job. Use the right tool. Zach, there's this thing in the game called target numbers. And I know you've actually mentioned target numbers before. Can you break that down and what that means here? Yeah, so when you pick your heroic culture, you're given a list of basically six options. And you pick one, and it gives you your attribute, like your attribute. So let's say you have a strength of seven, because you wanted to pick someone who was already attractive, um, physically capable. You take 20, you subtract your attribute score, and that's your target number. Any so if strength... I have a, if I have a attribute score of 7, my target mm -hmm. number is going to be 13. Target number is going to be 13. Any skill associated with strength, be it athletics or stealth, whatever it is, that's the number that you have to get. So in this case, you have to roll a 13. And you do that by... We've gone over rolls before, but you roll a d12. You add um, a number of d6s equal to that skill rating, and you try to get a 13. And when you look at the table, every option gives you basically 14 points. 14 does not divide by 3 equally. You're going to be bad at, you're going to be worse at something than you are at others. But I think the mechanics of this game actually really encourage you to specialize. You should talk to the fellowship, and you're, you are encouraged to do so. You should talk to your fellowship and be like, hey, one of us should have a 7 in strength, one of us should have a 7 in heart, one of us should have a 7 in wits. Because the difference between getting a 13 and a 15 is real big. And, and yeah. they are not equal. Um, I They're believe that the dwarves and uh, possibly, here, let me take and see. And the Dunedain, or the Rangers, are the only two classes that can have a seven in strength. Hobbits just are just built can't. different. Right? They just don't get that <laughs> as big. As the, as the built differently. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and so just be mindful of that, too. If that is your thing or whatever, that is limited. Not all races are necessarily made equal um, from that standpoint, because it is one of those areas. The Rangers are not necessarily high in wit. Um, they are not good with people. They are not out and about in the world. They are loners. They are stealthy folks. The men of Bree are high in that area. They are designed to make travelers feel welcome. Think of uh, the Prancing Pony, right? That's kind of the, the idea behind it. And I know this sounds pretty complex, but once again, this game is really math forward. But once you've done all the math, you never, ever, ever have to think about it again. Yeah. The, the lore master says, roll me athletics. You look at your athletic skill, right next to it is a number. It's a 13. And that's what you got to hit. And you know that's what you got to roll. It tells you how many dice to roll. It tells you what number you have to get on all of them. So Which, is, I, which really makes it easy. It does. It's, it's a lot. There's really no back and forth. Yeah, there's no, well, what, what's the difficulty of that going to be? Uh, what are my modifiers or anything like that? You already know. I mean, I'm sure yep. there's probably modifiers, but you already know what's going to happen. Yep. Some in combat, um, the lore master can increase or decrease that number based upon the enemy's statistics. But then the lore master just says, "Okay, like they have a parry of three, so you know that you increase the target number by three. By three. 
that like that's it. Um, from what else I've read, like that's kind of it's. I know it sounds really hard to explain orally, but if you look at the book and you once you create a character, you're just done. And it really does walk you through it, and it all makes sense. Um, you just kind of have to do it. Yep, yep. All right, so let's jump into the hero cultures. Who wants to tackle bardings? Because you all know I'm going to do the dwarves endurance. Fair enough. I'm actually going to have to start asking some questions here, because bardings, these are the people who lived in Lake Town? Dale. Lake Town and Dale, yeah. During this I'm... time period, it would be uh, the early... Well, given the money and given the state of Erebor, Dale very much might be back into what it was. Yeah, considering the time frame. Yeah, or at 20... least approaching. Yeah. Okay. So, so they, this is... you, you would be that that generation of um, Dale, Lake Town, uh, working on the borders of Erebor. Trade would start to come back into that area. Um, you still do have the, the threats um, of the wildlands, but... For the most part, this is the, not necessarily Northmen, because I think that almost has a, a barbarian tone to it, but that's kind of what they are. And I'm so, going to guess that this is after, I mean, obviously it's after Smog, but Dale is definitely rebuilt because it does say the standard of living is prosperous. Okay, so it is during that time period, which, uh, as I will reference many times through this, in The Lord of the Rings, the city of Dale is phenomenal. They did such a good job. Now, granted, it's, Lord it's post- online. Yep, and so it is a, a fun thing to see. Lake Town was a fun thing to see, but um, just kind of lead that into as you're making this, uh, your character, given the age, would be probably not know a lot. Like, I guess given the age, you would have been a very, right? You would have been a small child during Smoke. Mm-hmm. That that yeah, might be something is... that is lore and legend at this point. And then I think as you as you create these things, Remember that time is a very big deal. It doesn't take but two generations for humans to have folklore. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you might have been five when the dragon attacked. Yeah. That would put you in your 30s. Yeah, because it says bardings rarely become adventurers before their 18th year and retire in their 40s. So depending on what age you put your character, they could have been alive when when Erebor was recaptured, so to speak. Um, or maybe they hear stories of it. And maybe they were born years after, but Bard is still alive and still leaving Dale. Your dad, your grandpa told stories. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this is the same people who uh, Smog was going to go burn their town, and the guy pulls out the the black yep. the black arrow with the bow, and uh, there's the one shiny scale go straight through. Like that's these people. They the lived scale. on. They was lived the on lake. Scale. He was missing the scale. Okay. Um, they lived on a town on the lake, but there was a town called Dale that they used to live in. They've gone back there, and they have rebuilt this town but it it's at the base of the mountain where the dwarves of durin live where the dwarves of Ariabor live so you have to remember they're all dwarves of durin uh in this case because they're all longbeards yeah so the dwarves of durin really settled in the blue mountains uh the misty mountains that area uh and Ariabor was another one of their kingdoms at one time you had Ariabor and moria uh, which were the big ones in the iron hills so those are the big kingdoms of the dwarves in this case. They are just direct descendants of Durin, which is why um, when Thorin died, it went to his cousin Dane, who is 
again a cousin, so considered to be a direct descendant of Durin, Durin being the first dwarves in Middle Earth, in Middle Earth. So the father of all longbeards, so to speak. So in this case, yeah, Dale was a city that was a human city that was built outside of Erebor, uh, and they had a huge, huge trading. Um, uh, it was a trading center, it was a trading hub. So the dwarves could come to Dale to trade their wares, and other people like the elves of Lothlorien um, and others could come to the area to do their trading, and Dale was a major hub for that. And as a result, a very prosperous city. Okay. Nolan, correct that- me if I'm speaking incorrectly. Nope. It, it ties back into the ill favor between dwarves and elves. Dwarves, it was just easier for them to mine and stay in their mountain. Elves, it was just easier not to go into said mine in the mountain. And so Dale was like, well, we'll be the middleman. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, that kind of all makes sense. So, Nolan, tell us a little bit about the, the Bardings and, like, um, I know it said their standard of living is prosperous. What does it mean that they're prosperous? Uh, during this time period, it could not be better. The mines have been opened up. Smaug has been smote. Uh, and in this time period, uh, you have a financial and economic boon, especially after an extreme, extreme era of depression. So this is, it does not get any better during this time period for the folks um, of this era. If you are an adventurer of this, it's most likely because your family is not connected and doesn't have wealth because at this point that is rare. Um, so that's not anything necessarily weak. They seem to be a higher in the heart score, lower in the wit score and average in the strength. Um, earthen and athletics uh, seem to be at their favorite era um, or area of expertise. Uh, I'm not super familiar with all of the skills at this time, uh, so I'm not sure what in earthen means in the game or what that leads to. And we so, haven't got to this yet, but we will when we start to talk about how combat and equipment works. But if you don't have a certain standard of living, you can't maintain certain weapons. Right. Makes you sense. Wanna, if you want a, a, a suit of mail armor, you have to be prosperous. Because otherwise, you just don't have the ability to find them. Right. Armor's, armor's a big deal. Um, this isn't a place yeah. where there's a blacksmith in every town capable of creating plate armor. So, so let's say let's say we decide that we do indeed want to play a barding. We know that our standard of living is prosperous. We know that our cultural blessing is stout-hearted. And, and the reason they're stout-hearted is because they lived under the oppression of Smaug for so many years that these became very tough people. Uh, and so once once you've decided that you're doing that and you've written down your, your standard of living and your cultural blessing, how do I get my attributes, Nolan? Uh, along these lines here, you get to choose a set or roll a success die. Uh, this would be a d6. Um, you can, if you decide to go the random or uh, just pick one. Again, yeah, so that's what I think. That's kind of cool. You can either choose or you can roll random. And I think we have both sets of people in our group, which would be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Some people are just like, well, I'll play what the dice says. Um, and again, here, if you're a barding, heart is going to be high. The lowest opportunity you have here is a five. Uh, strength is going to be your average stat. And then wits is going to be uh, amongst your lowest. So then we get into our derived stats, which is going to be strength, or it's endurance, hope, and parry, uh, which is the way they figure that is calculate the following scores based on your chosen attribute rating. So let's say you chose a, well, let's just go high and say that you chose six. If you chose six, then your strength is six, your heart is six, and your wits is two. 
So in this case, endurance is going to be strength plus 20, so 26. Hope is heart plus 8, so 14. And then wits is also going to be 14 because it's wits plus 12. So we have our derived stats. And those are mostly for combat and other things. Yep. Makes sense. And then like Nolan said, you have a set of skills in heart and athletics being your... um, your primary skills, your, your expertise, favorite, sorry, your favorite skills. Combat proficiencies. What do we have going on there? Uh, so it looks like you have two for bows or swords, and then you get to choose one combat proficiency. And I think this l- lays into the, the lore of the area as well. I mean, bows are kind of the, the thing that the uh, Dale folk are known for and made famous. Uh, swords seems to be more common amongst uh, the races of man uh, just in general. Get to pick a couple or two distinct features to choose from to help further uh, your character development. Uh, and then it hops into the names of the area. And distinctive features are suggestions, not... right. They don't have mechanics uh, associated with them. So next we have the Dwarves of Durin, which is anybody who's listened to this podcast knows that I am a huge fan of dwarves. And really, this is, as far as I'm concerned, the epitome of what fantasy dwarves should be. Uh, Tolkien did an amazing job creating these. Uh, And and, uh, we kind of went over the history of the dwarves earlier with Zach um, talking about Dale. So I don't feel like I need to go over that again. But yeah, you're going to be playing, you know, from more than likely from Erebor, the Blue Mountains, things like that. Um, you won't more than I, I can't imagine at this point. No, Moria is still closed. Um, Balin is, is dead. So there's no point in saying don't say you're from Moria. That just wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, at least in my opinion. Uh, so characteristics you get into your cultural blessing which is redoubtable dwarves make light burdens dwarves make light of burdens especially when it comes to wearing armor dwarves are exceptionally strong for their strength like nolan said earlier dwarves and uh what'd you say the rangers of the north are the only ones who can have a strength of seven uh-huh. yeah so um when you get to of course i'm trying to figure out how to is that nagrim is that how you say that word i think so nagrim nagrim uh, so this is this is going back into cult, our characteristics. Dwarves are shorter than men, but their work as miners and smiths endows them with powerful arms and shoulders. Yet they still favor shorter weapons over long ones. And we see that in all the movies, especially with Gimli and his axes. Uh, standard of living is prosperous. We all know that Erebor had a massive fortune and the dwarves have benefit from that. Uh, in fact, it says the dwarves are much richer today than in the past. We get into attributes. Again, it's pick or roll. Uh, if you chose a six at the highest level, you're going to have a strength of six, a heart of two and wits of six. Yeah. I mean, there's really, I don't know. I think I'd probably, if I was picking, go with a two, seven, three, and four, seven strength, three heart, four wits. It just seems like it's a little bit more balanced in my opinion, yeah, but it just depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Yep. Completely subjective. Derived stats are endurance, hope, or yeah, endurance, hope, and parry. So in this case, you're, it's strength plus 22. Again, representing that dwarves are just strong. Hope is heart plus 8, and wits or parry is wits plus 10. Uh, skills, your favorite skills are travel and craft. Makes sense. And then combat proficiency, again, very much sticking true to it is axes or swords, and then choose one combat proficiency. And then, like Nolan said, it gets into the, the different names. It talks a little bit about language, but... 
uh, does do some distinctive features, but like like Zach said, those are kind of more subjective, subject, suggestive. Wow, <laughs> than anything. So yeah, yeah and something so something along those lines. Those distinctive features, um, you know, it gives you uh, some are exclusive to the callings. Um, but it mm-hmm. does, uh, again, it's more of a, a temperament or again, help you with the role playing. So if you're bold, yeah. you trust your capabilities to the point that you're not easily daunted, readily placing yourself in danger. You, you're just confident in your thing. You're going to jump in. Could be very much like a, a Gimli, like, we'll bring it on. Like we're going to win. And you're just like, dude, they have a cave troll. Like let's use our noggin. Um, yeah, you so. don't have to, honestly, I don't even think you need to select them if you had an image for you're the character you wanted to play you're not missing out you don't need to kind of like work with a lore master to come up with something else if you wanted to be an elf that isn't whatever um they're more just suggestions and they're they're nice to have they're really they're pretty in-depth they're pretty suggestive but again you can you don't have to worry about them you should pick the ones that will help you get into your character agreed Yep, and just use it to help make the story. So next up, we have the elves. Who wants to tackle that? They're pretty elfy. They're pretty elfy. They're pretty yeah. elfy. Um, the attributes for them, uh, they're actually pretty uh, equal across the board. I think elves are just known for kind of being pretty good at everything in Lord of the Rings. Uh, but their strength is that so of... fucking old. Yeah. Uh, their strength, their hearts, their wits, they're all... Or, uh, their endurance, their hope, their parry, it's all pretty equal with the other people's. They don't excel at anything or um, fall short. They do have a few things, though, is that their cultural blessing is elven skill, but they also kind of have a defect called the long defeat. And so when it's time to remove accumulated shadow, kind of like that thing that weighs your character down from everything that happened, they can only remove a maximum of one point for spiritual recovery. So being an elf comes with a lot of advantages, but you also get a disadvantage and not every culture does. Well, and, and their standard of living is this is the first time we've seen it drop from prosperous. Yep. Their standard of living is frugal. The elves of Linden don't do a lot of stuff. They live in the forests. They live in a lot of nice places, but they don't mine. Right. They don't. And they just don't do that kind of stuff. So they're not exactly going to be covered in male shirts and have all of that. There's only so much like wealth that they have accumulated. Well, they just, they value things differently. They value things differently. And that doesn't uh, so, include shiny shirts. And when you look at that, so the elves of Linden are going to be different from um, the elves of Mirkwood and also the elves of Rivendell. These are coastal elves. Uh, they're the ones that are the shipbuilders on the Grey Haven. So along those lines, what they have, they 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 are ocean-born, right? So it is one of those things of it's not they get what they need from the sea. Uh, they stay along the coast. Uh, and, and for the most part, kind of have stayed out of the conflict. Their time and their fight is over. Um, from my understanding, Gilgalad was their champion. And when he fell during that time period, this is part of that long defeat. They lost their, their lord. Um, and so this is what they do. They build the great ships for when the exodus comes. 
I need to correct myself real quick here, guys. Uh, when we were talking about the Bardings, I said it was the Elves of Lothlorien that came in and traded with them. It was actually the Elves of Mirkwood. So mm -hmm. I really should correct that. That way, no Lord of the Rings lore freak kicks my ass here. It was the Elves of Mirkwood, not Lothlorien. So yeah, They're all cousins. Um, yeah, um, exactly. I don't know. Don't keep me. <laughs> um, that that's really it for elves. It that's it for a lot of that's it for a lot of the cultures. Is that once you start to get into them, um, a lot of the stats are kind of the same. Combat proficiencies usually come down to bows or something, um, but you can always select a, a combat proficiency of your choice. You always get at least one. So if you think that using a spear is a good idea or having a bow is a good idea and you're um, a ranger, you're one of the Dunedain, you can still select a spear. You can still select a bow, at least one. Um, and I believe as far as that goes as well, that ties again into the lore. Um, Gilgalad was one of the great... Uh, spear fighting elves. I mean, that was what he was known for. We don't really see a lot of it um, in shows or reference as far as like actual movies, uh, but that was his 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 jam weapon, and I guess he was quite deadly with it. Right, right. And that was I, why also Elrond was his standard bearer because of the uh, the two weapon or the two handed weapon that he used. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually know something about this because it came up in a poem. Yeah, uh, he like he does like a oh, stabs a an orc that's on the ground, and that's all he shows up. But I think he was played by one of Peter Jackson's friends. Nice. Yeah, I know that him him being gone was a big deal, and that allowed Elrond to kind of come up as well. So. His death meant something, but that is why there is a little bit of this uh, sadness amongst this group. They they fought their war and paid the price. I think, didn't he have one of the rings of power? Didn't they give it to Gandalf after he died? He, no, ish. Um, uh, the person who inherited that was, uh, I believe, something like Cyrodiil was his name, and he was a shipwright. And when Gandalf arrives uh, with the gift of foresight, he basically says, you're going to need this. Don't ask me why. I don't know. <laughs> and so he gave gotcha. it to him. I don't know if Gilgalad actually wielded it or not. It would make sense because he was an elf lord. Okay. Yeah. So Gilgalad was also, at the beginning of the movies, when um, uh, Galadriel is doing the whole monologue about the rings, Gilgalad is one of the elf lords looking at the rings. Okay. So yeah, gotcha. it makes sense that he would have one. I'm trying to think who was the who was the hero that was actually at the fellowship, but they kept it very quiet, secret, so that Sauron didn't know he was there. Who was that, Nolan? I I don't remember, and I only recently had read about him, so it was new to my stuff. There was an elf who fought during that war, who is one of the he's one of the few I believe that has defeated a Balrog in single combat, and I think he defeated multiple. Um, yeah. And so he ended up in uh, Rivendell, and he's like, well, I'll go. And Elrond's like, the moment you step foot out of Rivendell, they're going to know. Like, your your light is too bright at this point. Like, we'll, they'll know something's up. And so, like, he, he had to just, like, hang out. And I was like, I don't know who this badass yeah. is, but I want to read more. Uh, Glor it's Glorfindel. Uh, Glorfindel, yes. Yep. And yep, that, he, yep. uh, I, uh, I think... Um, J.R.R. Tolkien's son was saying that at the same at 
there were two Glorfindels written. Okay. And he actually like there's one in the um one in the Silmarillion, and then he used the same name for the Lord of the Rings. And I think Christopher Tolkien said that he doesn't think that his dad remembered that. And Fair so enough. he was going through notes and was like, ah, oh, damn, I used the same name. So he was just like, they're the same person. Yeah, he's been around this long. Yep. That's awesome. So, so yeah, he, not only is he uh, one of the only people to defeat a Balrog in single combat, the Balrog killed him and he just came back. Yep. Yeah, he's a badass. Which is why Elrond was like, no, you can't. Because he was like, well, I'll just take care of the ring. And I'm like, no, you can't. No, you can't. Yep. That would be like a beacon to, to Sauron, so we can't do that. Um, yep. So, guys, we've <laughs> if we keep going at the pace that we're going, we're going to be talking about these two chapters for like three hours. That happens. We get sidetracked. I know. Um, so I was going to speed through the last little bit. Uh, we have, of course, the Hobbits of the Shire. Everybody knows what those are, uh, you know, being Bilbo and Frodo and Merry and Pippin and Sam. And then we had them in a Bree, which didn't really play a big part in the movie so much. But we do, you know, they are uh, you, you do have the ability to play those. Uh, nope. Last, if you, I was going to say, if you look at uh, Bree again, Bree um, as a quick thing, Hobbits, if you look at them, their heart, right? And that was why we hear it referenced many times. Um, why Gandalf chose him? Uh, it's because they, uh, Bobo and Frodo, make him feel better. Being around them is common uh, or calming. Um, the fact that they have this ability to just do right i guess and and be very simple is very uh, endearing to folks so that's kind of their thing they are good at the uh um stealth and courtesy uh is kind of their jam so you get to kind of be that thief men of brie are along the lines again their their area is a travel hub they are a central area it is an overnight stay in brie so wits are going to be on their higher end the strength side is going to be on the lower end they do not um necessarily have a lot uh, as far as combat readiness. And again, that's why we, like you kind of mentioned, we don't really see a lot of them of carry forward as far as the armies right. of the men of Bree. Um, yeah. they, and then, they're not really they, warriors. They don't have sword proficiency because yeah. they've got axes and spears because they're right. not exactly a warring people. They, mm-hmm. they do increase every single um, Bree folk in the party. Uh, or in the fellowship increases the fellowship rating by one, and that's going to make it easier for people to ha- like for people in the fellowship to like deal with bad things. So I think that's where their big asset comes is that just having one around makes things easier. And I would say that they they tend to the lines of being clever, uh, insight, and riddle is theirs, their area of expertise. Um, so a little more, maybe knowledgeable, maybe a little more uh, puzzle solving. Give you an opportunity there. Uh, Rangers of the North are uh, descendants of the the, the Northern Kingdom, uh, have been pushed into hiding uh, and have taken to the wilds. Uh, many of the Rangers of the North will continue to guard the areas, making safe. Uh, we see this a lot of... Um, they would watch and have roads and they would try and protect the people of Bree, the Hobbs of the Shire, uh, uh, one of the uh, frugal classes, uh, high in strength, average in heart, low in wits. Um, very their, ble- their blessing but- is that they get to add one to an attribute of their, of their choice. So they are the only um, culture that can start with an eight. 
And these would be um, in in the books when the Rangers and the Dunedine show up. It is something along the lines of one Ranger is the strength of fifty men. So you have the uh, the the Hoplite three hundred of King Leonidas. This these are scary combat uh, individuals, high expertise, some SEAL Team 6 type stuff. Uh, hunting and lore is their thing. They have not forgotten the old ways. They have not forgotten the old alliances. They are waiting. And part of being that is also um, being prepared for the day that the king returns. Um, so you have this underlying noble uh, aspect of what was and what could be, but also this sad depression of... My dad did this. My grandfather did this. My great grandfather did this, and the king has never returned. Um, so you you have this sense of honor and duty, but also maybe the, uh, a sense of sadness as well. Of uh, we keep doing this, but nothing is changing. So uh, I, again, I think they do a good job with these here. I think it hits home the people of the area that would be there. Um, it taps into the region and lore pretty well, and I think it also gives you a reason to maybe explore some of these places further um, if you are a person of that area. Go ahead. I do think it's strange that, like, Dale folk, Bardlings are here because they're, like, way... They're, they're like, over the mountains past the Mirkwood. Right? Yeah, but it's still in the area of their It's It's still in the area. I just... I kind of wish there were Mirkwood elves. You know? Maybe some actual, like, you had the dwarves who were living close to Hobbiton, and now you have the dwarves of Ariabor. I kind of wish that there were some more, but I think we'll just get them in expansions. I think you're probably right. I mean, we do know that we're getting the Rivendell, or the Rivendell expansion is in the starter set, as well as uh, the Shire expansion. So I do think we'll probably see more. I mean, they got to save stuff, content for more books, right? You gotta save content for more books. And this at least gives you the chance to start playing an elf. And who knows? I mean, what's to say you can't say that? I mean, they're the elves of Lindor. Or Linden, what's to say you can't be from Mirkwood? Nothing. You can always just use these. Right. I just like more things. I'm greedy. <laughs> um. So then we get I, into... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Zach. I would just like the elves of Mirkwood to have a cultural blessing where they have to dress like crazy people and ride mooses. Ride mooses. Like, Fair where enough. Ewing, where uh, everyone else's fellowship rating goes down by one, but yours goes up by two because you're a racist party dad. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure how to follow up with that. I am curious, um, if we were to sit down and play this tomorrow, what 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 uh culture would you guys pick? Zach, we'll start with you. Play Hobbit. Hobbit? Okay. Yeah, that sounds fun. I'm pretty sure I know what Nolan's gonna say, but Nolan? Yeah, I I I am a huge fan of the Rangers. Um that is one of my favorite. I would also uh I think it would be interesting to play an elf in this one. Um just because of that coastal side of things. Um and I think it would be a lot of fun to play one that it's kind of that awkward time period, right? Like maybe you feel like you missed out or this is the last adventure before you go. You're kind of at the end of your time period. Um, I don't know. I think there's something fun in that. Know that you're on a borrowed time. Like this is my hoorah and then I'm going to sail. Like we're at that time. Like that's kind of your, 
maybe coming out of retirement or one last hurrah, and maybe you could be a little more insightful. Maybe you could be, give me a moment, I'm taking this in, knowing this is the last time you're going to see it um, with that purpose. Not everybody knows it, the day that they're going to die, and the elves get to kind of choose that of like, all right, it's time to go home. And I think that would be a lot of fun as well, because then you could be like, oh, kind of be wistful along the adventure. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm more than likely going to play a dwarf of Durin. However, I do agree with Zach. I think the Hobbits of the Shire would be really cool, but then I also think playing the Rangers of the North would be really cool. So I've already got my first three characters planned out. Oh, what am I saying? I'm going to be the lore master. Never mind. There you go. You get to play all the characters. <laughs> yeah, I'll just have NPCs for each of them. Twitch, we can. And Zach can watch me talk to myself. So the best thing? Um, so we get into callings. We're going to kind of jump through the rest of this because we are quickly running out of time. We're, uh, and so the, go and ahead, callings are just, they give you two skills. That's, they're, they're, they're your reason why you're adventuring. They're your reason why you're adventuring. Um, mechanically, that's it. They just give you two skills. They give you three options. You pick two. So yeah. it's really more important are kind of the character reasons the character building the role-playing reasons that's really why they're here and i think as you look at this stuff too again uh, for a, a easy way races and classes just a lot more simplified or maybe not simplified maybe a little more complex just from a standpoint of you have less impactful like it's less defining so you have more freedom um, the callings that I hear to answer, captain, champion, messenger, scholar, treasure hunter, and a warden. Um, as you see these kind of things here, a captain, I, I want to say uh, you get some influences from the shows, but Boromir is probably my best example of a captain. Maybe not greedy Boromir going after the ring, but Boromir blowing the horn, uh, seeing him take back the city of Osgiliath, his men rallying around that cry. Uh, when the world is on the brink of ruin, it's the duty of all individuals of worth to rise and take lead whenever the, whatever the risk. You've chosen to put your judgment in the service of others and guide them in this dark hour. That's Boromir. I mean, before. And that, I think that is what made him so great and also so tragic of the fall. Uh, favorite skills, uh, choose two among battle in Harton, now that I've learned to read, which is inspiring others instead of in Earthen, uh, and persuade. I what you were talking about, but I didn't want to bring it up. You're more than welcome to. I was like, well, I don't understand what that one is, but now I understand what it is when I understand the word. Uh, additional distinctive feature leadership. You possess the ability to direct others to action when under pressure, other people naturally turn to you for guidance. Um, Aragon also does this. I also would say that anything that you want to build a character out of Aragon, just take him out of the system because he is all of these and more. And yeah, that's why. Transcends. Yeah, I think he probably has a seven or eight in most stats and has a little bit of most of these abilities. And that's what makes him the king. Not saying you couldn't do it, just remember that. Um, you're, if you are going to play a Dunedain, you are playing somebody that's going to follow that man um, because he is greater than you in many ways because he's inspiring, because he's strong, because he does what's right. So just keep that in mind that it's you can't make a perfect character. So take that path, lean into the role, be great at it, and let your team around you uh, pick up the slack. Yep. Uh, hey, next week. Zach, they do mention Merkwood. Ooh, fancy. They mentioned Merkwood. It's in the quote it, under Messenger. Um, it's a quote, but... Oh, yeah, no. I, I know that there is a... Like, well, I know that they're in there. Expansion. They're going to... 
I can. There's. I just this fuck this you. game is rife with the opportunity for expansion. Yep. You have. Yep. You can. You can add Merkwood. Why not go farther? You've got. Um, Gondor. You have Rohan. You've got the Wild Men to the west of Rohan. There's a lot of more. There's a lot more cultures that you could tap into. But also, the book is big enough as it is. You can only add so much in there. I also think yeah. during this time period, Merkwood is getting pretty nasty. Yeah, and they've pretty much shut off their borders at this point, too. Thranduil has pulled everybody back, and they're like, nope, we're not doing anything. Yeah, I, I think it's not super great. And I, I do believe that there is an adventure that it is, is based in there uh, during this time yeah. period as well. Uh, next thing you get is a, uh, a calling as a champion. Um basically a very much high skilled uh fighter hunter of evil um i would argue that this is probably legolas based upon some of those traits um a very distinct in enemy lore uh, one of the shadow paths on this one here was the curse of vengeance uh if something is uh <laughs> if you are uh slighted or not um if things don't go your way, you kind of lead towards that uh, your honor has been impaired. And I think of him hunting down the orc who got away with it they did in The Hobbits uh, as a younger kid. Maybe not so much at the time of The Lord of the Rings as he's grown up a little bit. But um, another calling is uh, Messenger. Uh, along this line here, you are not necessarily a bard, but it does kind of tend to making that courtesy song travel. Um, you deliver messages, you walk into any town, people, you're, you're the postman, right? So you're not always bringing great news, but for the most part, you are keeping news afloat. Um, you also can fall prone to being traveling for days on end. Uh, another calling is the scholar. Uh, for you, knowledge makes the world less threatening. Uh, craft, lore, and riddle. Uh, kind of lean more into your skill set. Rhymes of lore are short verses created by cultures uh, and remember significant facts. So it, it's almost like a, a barding knowledge um, because of the stuff you've learned. You also crave secrets. This would be uh, maybe a little bit along the lines of old man Bilbo as he's prone to reading the books and knowing the history, but not necessarily... Uh, sharing them with people unless they are close to him. I thought also maybe along the lines of Gandalf, um, he, the gray where he is not combative. He knows a bunch of stuff and he can guide, uh, treasure hunters, uh, are another calling. Uh, this one here tends to really lean into, uh, the folks who lost Erebor as our dwarves friends would know. Um, also some elven lords that there might be some stuff buried in orc infested dungeons. Um, I think this would be fun to be a maybe a an elf of Linden who lost something along the ways and seeks it back before they leave, and that's probably the route I would go if I was going to play one. And I think this is this is probably the closest representation you're going to get of Bilbo. Yeah, I think he's a probably a natural. I think that's why he was brought along for sure. Um, yeah, I don't think it was like he he didn't set out to be a treasure hunter, but I think the allure of it all, the the fact that he's going on adventure. I mean, and they do specifically state that an additional distinctive feature is burglary. Mm-hmm. No, that was his title. The, the dragon they sickness. They hired him to do. Yeah. Yep. 
move about unseen. Uh, the final one is a warden. Uh, warden uh, is along the lines of awareness, healing, and insight. Uh, you recognize the shadowy threats and the dark areas of Middle Earth and things getting worse. Um, you also know that the path of despair, shadow of doubt, is often the way the shadow chooses to reach the heart of those who oppose it because you know the enemy is strong and terrible. I would say this is Strider before he becomes Aragorn. Um, this is, he knows, he works, but he's alone. Uh, he also doesn't have faith in himself because he knows what's out there. I see a lot of that in him early on before he becomes more. And this, this ties into being maybe a Dunedain. This feels very much built side by side. You fight the evil, you know what's out there to try and make people safe. So they don't have to know what's out there. Um, much of the border of the Shire is protected because of the Dunedain, and they are yes. able to live that life because of these wardens. So there's still approximately 15 pages left of this chapter. Uh, apparently, it, this is a much larger chapter than I realized. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is the big like, one. I think this is the biggest chapter in the game. Oh, and it's the character creation time. Yep. So I kind of feel like we should probably pick this up next week, finish chapter two, and then go into chapter three. What do you guys think? Yeah. And I think that, I think it does. Again, like Zach said, there's a lot to it. Um, things can be a little bit overwhelming as you start looking at it, but once you get it on paper, you're there. You don't have to, you don't have to do it again. Yeah. Yep. So this is the area that you take the time with. This is the area where you really hone in that character, that skill, those characteristics. Um, and once it's done and once it's on paper, then it's, it's all behind you. So take your time, yeah, I think enjoy this... it. I think the I think a weakness of this system is that it has a lot of seemingly unrelated things that you have to do, right? Like at least say the D20 system, you always know what's going on. You add an attribute, you add either like in 5th edition you, you pick an attribute, you either add your proficiency or you don't, and then you roll a D20 and you add those numbers to it. And your DM tells you if you succeed or not. And that's the basis of every single thing. And that doesn't really happen in this one. There's a lot of seemingly unrelated things of, okay, here's my attribute. Okay, it's a 7. Now I have to subtract that from 20. Oh, wait, it's I also need to add that to this number to get my endurance and blah, 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 blah. But you only have to do it once. If you go through the character creation, if you go through this whole thing, and you just put it all down on the sheet, then you're done. And I think that's the, the strength of this system, is that these seemingly unrelated things, once they're all put together, you don't have to do this sense. again. Yeah. You never have to ask, do I have advantage on this? Okay, wait, what am I adding to this role? It's like, no, I told you. It's, it's an athletics. You, it's on your sheet. You look yeah. at the sheet, oh, and saying. it tells you how many dice to roll, and the number that you need. Yep. And All right, so that's what we're going to wrap up for this week. We will pick up with Chapter 2, beginning with previous experience next week as we continue our look at The One Ring by Free League. Remember, this book is currently available for, I believe, no, I think you can actually purchase this book on Free League's website as well as the PDF on Drive-Thru RPG. I did note uh, that when I was in Backer Kit a little bit ago, uh, you can, if you were a backer of it and you did not get the collector's edition, you can go and get it through the, the backer kit. I have not chosen to do that, um, 
but that is a, a possibility if you want to do that. So anyway, guys, before we uh, wrap up for this week, is there anything else you want to say? No, looking forward to jumping into it more next week. Yeah, I think you just got to I think you just got to dive in. Don't try and like come to a broader understanding of how the system works. Just put it all down on paper and it works a lot better. Cool. Well, we will finish up chapter two next week as we begin with previous experience and find out how you get to add some extra points to your character sheet. Until then, we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.